guessing just based on your credentials that I am not nearly as uh, badass as, as they are, because I'm certainly not as badass as you are either, but I do a lot of hiking and backpacking. That's kind of my thing, um, particularly longer backpacking trips. But I love coffee, and it's hard to get like a good cup of instant coffee you know, when you're backpacking. So for the first half of the trail, I was very much worried about not making it in time. And that, because I also knew that if I got injured and I had to take a week or two off to rest or something, like happens to a lot of people, that's very common. Um, I might not be able to make it. So I think the hardest part about the first half was just the making sure I was on pace, being worried that I was going to get hurt, something like that, which in hindsight, I wasn't pushing myself beyond my abilities, so I probably shouldn't have been worried about that. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Christian Ultra Podcast. Today, my guest is Kyla Grady, who hosts the podcast called Trail Tales. And I first stumbled, stumbled, just like I just started, across his podcast when I was looking for podcasts relating to the Appalachian Trail. So the reason I had Kyle on the show was because his podcast is all about through hiking and the different trails pretty much around the world and since i'm a trail runner and i love running on trails i thought it would be really of interest to have kyle on the show so kyle is not a runner kyle actually is a youtuber a podcaster and more than anything he likes to describe himself as a hiking nerd so um with this interview we talk about hiking mainly the appalachian trail and i find it really interesting and i hope you guys do also thank you you know actually it, i've got your um website here it was around january because i was in thailand and um, yeah that's right it was be the, right before all the virus stuff i feel like yeah yeah when i got back it was all going like the shops were going crazy people were buying a lot of toilet paper and stuff so you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> good How to see you though yeah yeah dude for sure i really appreciate you having me on here does everything sound okay yeah sounds coming through okay just uh checking is this microphone yes yes, yes. coming through that yeah sounds good sounds good yeah nice um well yeah like uh you're gonna go for a hike afterwards i guess just a short one yeah nice. i've been editing a video for most of the weekend and my my rule is like i try not to let making content like get in the way of actually hiking because i feel like that would just be like kind of like i don't know that, that's not right you know like you can't not hike because you're making content about hiking instead so i've spent the weekend yeah. doing this video and so i'm gonna force myself to get out there even though it's probably gonna be thunderstorming later just a quick one just a yeah four, mile kind of thing just to keep the legs fresh you know yeah, no, I think you're right. If you um, actually get to the point where you're going to choose staring at a, street, a screen, editing a hike over actually hiking, you may... It, it depends if you've been hiking all week, you know? If you've yeah, done... Exactly. If, if you've put in some big days, I don't know. But yeah, um, I don't usually have an official way of starting the show, except for I say kind of, well, <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? Like, you know... To, oh, I know. You, trust me, dude. I know you, better than most probably what it's like to... Of course you do, yeah. Well, I'll start by saying, hey, guys, welcome to the Christian Ultra Podcast. And um, today I got um, Kyle O'Grady from um, 
Trail Tales, and he also has a YouTube channel called uh, Carl Hates Hiking. Is that is that right, Kyle? That is correct. Yeah. You nailed it. And you hit ten thousand subscribers as well. Woo! Yeah. yeah, yeah, that felt good. That felt real good. I reckon that I think I'm going to open a beer, man, to celebrate for you. So, <laughs> <laughs> and for the record. He wanted me to, to drink a beer too, but we are on a pretty big time difference. And like I said, I'm going to hopefully go do a couple miles after this. So um, yeah. kind of bitched out on the beer. I'll, I'll no, our, hey, <laughs> hey, there's always, there's always space on this podcast for a second, uh, a round two, you know what I mean? Hell yeah. So, I promise you, I promise you, I don't care what time it is. Next time I will drink a beer. You can so do, you, do that. Like one of my favorite beers actually is um, New England IPAs. Uh, do you guys... Do you know that that's kind of it? Is that it like a, a yeah. type of beer or like a brand of beer? Let me, I'll Google it here. Yeah, no, it's not a brand, but if you go on to, so what I'm drinking right now is a um, Hepcat Session IPA from the Gypsy Hill Brewing Company. So if you find Gypsy Hill, they're my like local brewers. And one day yeah. I just went in, I'd finished a run and I said, hey guys, I got in contact with a fellow called Simon, one of the co-founders. And I was like, hey, uh, I had, ultra runners in america have got sponsors do you guys fancy sponsoring me i'm an ultra runner and i just live half a mile down the road and they'll say yeah so i mean it's not like i get paid or anything but i i do have um a couple of perks and get some beers so yeah they're, they're pretty good um that so but they have a range of beers and one of my favorites is a new england ipa they've got su such a big range and i was wondering if they're popular um uh where you are I don't know. I mean, there's probably somebody listening that knows way more about like beer than I do. Mm. Um, but I, I'll say just like, I mean, just like anywhere else, I feel like these days, like the local brews are getting so popular, especially here in Vermont, too, because I live in like the Burlington, Vermont area. Yeah. And that's literally like, like a huge part of our industry, honestly, is like, is I, I read, I don't, this is a few years ago now, so I don't know if it's still true, probably is, honestly, but that we had like the most breweries per capita or something like that i don't yeah. know but there's there's a couple of pretty famous vermont beers specifically but i mean everywhere all over new england and yeah everywhere yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no i just i i think what it is actually if i looked into the psychology of it i like new england ipa but i just like new england <laughs> yeah know? new england's sweet man love hiking love the white mountains um when when i was up there but I've started off the show kind of talking about beer and me. You know what, Kyle? Um, how about um, let people know who you are and what you've done and kind of how, well, yeah, how, how we met and stuff. Yeah, man, for sure. So I'm not an ultra runner. In fact, I'm not even a runner. So I'm not sure who else you've had on the show, but I'm, I'm guessing just based on your credentials that I am not nearly as uh, badasses as they are, because I'm certainly not as badass as you are either, but I do a lot of hiking and backpacking. That's kind of my thing. Um, particularly longer backpacking trips. You know, um, I live, like I said, here in Burlington, Vermont. So New England, I'm close to the White Mountains. I'm close to the Adirondacks. Um, I've hiked the long trail here in Vermont a couple times. I did the Appalachian Trail uh, in 2018. That's probably like the biggest, not probably, it's definitely the biggest thing I've done. Um, up until now. And then, you know, lately I've been doing the YouTube and the podcast thing, trying to kind of combine my two passions for like computers and editing and content and that stuff uh, with my passion for hiking and backpacking and pretty, 
pretty blessed that I am able to combine those two things together because they are very much polar opposites. If you think like computers and software and hiking in the woods where you don't even have cell service. So um, that's, that's kind of Kyle hates hiking in a nutshell. And uh, I just basically go for hikes, go on camera, make a bunch of dumb jokes. And for some reason, <laughs> 10,000 people subscribe to my channel. So, <laughs> you, you know, you know, your videos are really, I just watched uh, a couple of clips of your latest videos and you know how with anything you evolve and become better and um, yep. you, you're able to just fine tune your art. You know, your videos are getting so good. Now you've got that. New, I think is it a Canon M50 you've got? Um, I had an M50. I actually just upgraded to a EOS R. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But re regardless, your videos from when you first begun are just another level with the sound and the um, depth of field and just like the way you kind of cutting quite a lot of the shots and it almost feels like you're going on the. I know it sounds a bit corny to say, but it it really is good. And it's like you kind of go no, into a hike with you a bit. Yeah. I yeah. appreciate that, man. It's oh. like. Yeah. I've definitely like, I've definitely got a long ways to go. Um, this is like really, I, I didn't like ever do anything with video or cameras before I started this channel a little bit less than a year ago. Now it was November, November of last year, November, 2019, that I really kind of started uploading videos, but I'd like to think I've gotten a little bit better. I try to get a little bit better with every video, but there's still like nowhere near, you know, a lot of other people i think the real reason that people watch my videos isn't because i mean the quality is fine and again like i'm trying to get better with it but i think the reason people watch my videos is because i'm just like kind of a goof and like i don't take it that seriously and there's not as many or there's really not that many at all other channels out there that do backpacking videos that are kind of like douchey and, and goofy like i am at least not yet so yeah. i think that's kind of what makes my videos stand out the most honestly <laughs> Yeah, you're a bit like the Johnny Knoxville of hiking, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah, I guess I guess that's yeah, I guess that's kind of true. I don't know. It's it's kind of just like who I am too. So it works out pretty well. Yeah. Um, it's not like you know, not like I'm not playing like on an act or anything. And, I yeah. literally just point the camera and do the same shit I would be doing if I wasn't filming it. So and, well, and people I, seem to like it. So I'm gonna go back a little bit about some of the stuff you mentioned about hiking. And I, I think a good place to start would be um, you said you like to do long hikes. So what came first? Was it the Appalachian Trail or the Long Trail? Oh, the Long Trail came first. I Because for those that don't know, the Long Trail is here in Vermont. It's 274 miles and uh, basically just runs the length of the state. And when I was a kid, um, when I was probably like 16, I kind of, that's how I like found out about long distance back packing was just went on a day hike happened to hit a, a little sliv sliver of the uh, of the long trail and, and I realized like oh shit people actually walk like the entire length of the state and so I kind of like got that goal in my head and at the same time through researching that through watching YouTube videos honestly um, I also learned about the Appalachian Trail and somehow my 16 year old self had the I don't know the uh, the intelligence to realize that I couldn't just go right for the AT so I decided I was going to do the long trail first and then I was going to do the AT and I tried the long trail uh, pretty much a couple months after I found out about it and failed miserably. I quit oh. after like 30 miles is terrible, but it was my first hike. So, you know, yeah. that's just how it goes, especially when you're dumb in 16. Um, and then I was like, okay, maybe I'll do it in sections instead. So I completed it in sections over like the next year after that. I finished it when I was 17. Then um, a few years after that, when I was in college, I was, I think I was 20 at the time I did 
the long trail again, this time as a through hike. So I did it straight up, you know, one shot. And then after that, I was like, okay, I think I'm ready for the AT. And then, yeah, two years after that in uh, 2018, I headed down to Georgia and was lucky enough to be able to complete that whole trail without any injuries or anything like that either. So that's pretty much the timeline. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. Um, how you just, it's not insane, actually. It's completely, like you said, it's intelligent. You knew that you couldn't jump to the Appalachian Trail and you went on to the long trail. Yeah. Then you said, That's not to say I was an intelligent person when I was 16 or even now. I just, that was like the only intelligent thing that I, <laughs> <laughs> that I thought, I guess. Yeah. And, and um, I know that during that journey on the Appalachian Trail, because I think I've heard you talk. Yeah, I've li- actually, I'm a real big fan of your podcast, Trail Tales. You know, it's a, it's, it's something which I, I can get lost in, honestly. I go out and, on training runs for, you know, my training runs can last. Today, I did a four-hour training run and which is nothing in the world of hiking so but it's longer than your general run and i can get lost in your podcast because just listening to people's stories about the pacific crest trail the appalachian trail i know i did hear that you'd been inspired while doing the at to come up with a podcast yep yep that's that's exactly what happened yeah and it's just because i was listening to so many of them you know yeah like i was just walking for 140 days straight so i was just like listening to like random podcasts and stuff. And eventually I was like, you know, this like, this sounds like it's not that hard. And I came to find out that it, it is actually pretty hard as you know, I'm sure, but yeah. <laughs> that was the inspiration. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. Um, I'm also the same story myself. Like I'm a big fan of podcasts. So I thought, Oh, well, yeah, I think it's going to take some effort, but I'd love to have a podcast. And here you go. I think this is episode will be episode 14. Do you actually yeah. say, I can't remember when you introduce trail tales, you say welcome to another episode or like welcome to episode and then the number. I think I say both. Let's see. I'm, <laughs> I'm always like sitting in this exact spot when I do it. So let me, let me get in the, get in the zone here. I'm like, what's going on everybody. Welcome to episode number, whatever, of yeah, trail yeah. tales, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It kind of, I, when I first started, I was like, Oh, I should like not just say the same thing every single time, like every other podcast. But then after a while, I just kind of fell into the, into yeah. the habit, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a funny, it's a, how, how long have you been running the, the podcast now? Um, I started, I literally started like the planning and stuff as soon as I finished the AT, which was, uh, October 1st, 2018. I think I launched my first three episodes about a month later. So November, I'm going to give you an exact date. I think it was November 6th, 2018. Wow. And then I try to do one a week i miss them sometimes but yeah. for the most part you know I, I i get there and so, i think i'm up to like 86 or 87 now something like that so for almost two years i've been doing it that's crazy honestly so, it's like so you can say that you're a podcast veteran now i don't know like <laughs> maybe i guess i don't know i don't know what the cutoff is but i i i've been doing it for a while i can definitely say that much how how is it different having a podcast compared to a youtube channel and can you draw the comparisons there yeah. Um, uh, so it, it kind of depends a little bit on like what your podcast uh, like theme is, but for an interview podcast, it's a lot different than YouTube because with YouTube, you know, I have like various styles of videos that I'll do. Like I'll do the on trail videos. I'll do the videos where I talk about gear in my basement, like an idiot or whatever, but there's just way more room for creativity with the YouTube videos um, with my podcasts. And this is the way I've designed it. Um, 
it's just an interview every single time, you know, it's not always about me, which is, which is good, but it's always just going to be an interview. But with YouTube, I can do like whatever I want. I can like Photoshop some goofy stuff. I can play some goofy music. I mean, even I can even experiment with like various styles of videos. Like I've done a couple of these like parody videos where it's just straight up like an attempt at like comedy, making fun of various <laughs> stereotypes of hikers. And, yeah. and there's, I think yeah, the the biggest uh, the biggest difference is there's just yeah way more room to to do different stuff with the YouTube channel. Um, yeah, but you know that's not to say that there's anything wrong with the podcast either. Uh, no, not at all. It it sounds like you're a pretty creative person, and YouTube just creates a bigger um, outlet of creativity yep. compared to where the podcast is more you know, less creativity, I guess, but still yeah. awesome as well. Yeah. And, and like the whole, the whole process behind like the editing and stuff too, is definitely uh, it's more involved with the videos, but it's also more fun in my opinion. And again, I'm not trying to sound like I don't like my podcast or whatever, but um, and yeah, trails tales like, will be ending soon. <laughs> you no, it it won't. No, no, I'm, ju- it won't. I'm totally joking. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I actually thought about like starting to cut back a few months ago and then I got my first sponsor and I was like, okay, Oh, nice. Congrats, maybe I man. will keep going. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So how did that how did that go then? Because like this podcast is very young, and uh, I think I'm in like I said, episode number fourteen. So I I haven't even considered um, yeah you know sponsors, but I did look at my stats, and I think I'm I'm downloaded in like thirty eight countries, and I thought wow, nice. like it's probably two people in each country, but nevertheless. <laughs> so how did it work with did those guys contact you or what happened? Yeah, yeah, they it was so I've only worked with two companies so far: Sawyer Products, who I'm currently yeah. working with, and then. Also, do you want to uh, give them a uh, shout out? Give a shout. I do. Sawyer is amazing. They're Go like, for it, man. And, give them a shout and out. honestly, like, I always feel like when people sh- like do their sponsors or whatever, like, there's always something in the back of the the listener's head, which is like, oh, like you know, they're just saying this because they're getting paid or whatever. But with Sawyer, like, genuinely, I've been using their shit for like years, like way before I did the AT, way before I started any sort of content. So when they reached out to me, they were the first company to ever reach out to me. I was like freaking stoked i was like yes this is this is perfect like and so yeah they're they're awesome and and they also do like uh one thing that's cool about them is i'm really going into my pitch now aren't i but this is actually like super cool they um i I feel like if you do any sort of hiking or backpacking you probably know about sawyer and you probably know like their their filters and their bug spray is, is really good and stuff and it is but they actually have a whole nother side to that company where they do a bunch of international charity work Cool. Um, like over in Africa, they've donated literally hundreds of thousands of filters and uh, to, to, you know, clean up the water there. And it's actually, and they don't really like talk about it that much. They're starting to more now. And, and a lot of the um, the ad reads that I've been doing on Trail Tales have been to kind of highlight some of that stuff. But um, they do like, it's it's actually crazy how much charity. They're like half company, half a charity, honestly. So Where, where are those um, guys based? I think they're based out of Florida. Okay. But right yeah. now they're all over the place, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Working from home, at least the guys just, that I've been Just for anyone who's listening who may not exactly kind of know what that is, do you want to give a, a, a quick just explanation of what it what it is? Of what Sawyer is? Yeah. 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 So they make um they make a bunch of different stuff. And again, I don't work for them. They they've just been sponsoring my content. So uh hopefully they don't hear this and if I get some little detail wrong, get mad or whatever. But um they I, they're probably mostly known for their water filters at least for for hikers and backpackers and that just um, screws onto the top of a plastic bottle or something so it's, yes sir it, it's adaptable yeah 
Yeah, and I like it because it's it's really lightweight, and like you just said, you screw it onto the bottle, so you don't have to wait for your water. If you use like chemicals, sometimes you have to you know let it sit for half an hour, and when I'm thirsty, I just want to drink. And it's also super lightweight too, so um, I I love their filters. They also have a bunch of uh, really good bug spray, um, yeah. various like products. They have permethrin, which if you don't know, um, you spray your clothes with permethrin, and it not only repels but it actually kills ticks, which up here. In oh, the uh, northeast, yeah. uh, you know, of the states, Lyme yeah. disease is a huge yeah. issue. Ticks are all deer ticks, particularly, are all over the place. And so I treat, and I've been doing this again long before I was sponsored by them. Um, I treat all my clothes with with uh, Sorry's permethrin, and they also have this. Uh, I always butcher the pronunciation. I think it's called <laughs> picaridin bug okay. spray, yeah. and that's like a more traditional bug spray where you just, you know, while you're hiking, you just take it out, you spray it on your on your arms or your hat or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it works really well against mosquitoes and it, it's, it doesn't like stink and like feel really chemically like DEET does. Yeah. Um, cause I, I've used DEET a lot in the past as well and it works really well, but it just like, I always feel like I'm going to get some sort of disease when I rub it on my arms or whatever, which I'm pretty sure you're not even supposed to do, but with Sawyer's Picard and you can, you know, you can put it on your skin and, I, I've and it often... doesn't smell like chemicals and it works. <laughs> I've often wondered about, you know, the filter that screws into the bottle. So, you know, when you hiked the Appalachian Trail, you mentioned it took you about 140 days. Yep. Now, did that, um, did you use the same soy filter or did you have to switch that out? Does it last that long? How does it work? Um, it's okay. So I didn't, but yes, you can. And most people do. My my roommate and hiking partner, Flossie, who I met on the AT, um, he used the same story for pretty much the whole, the whole trail. You have to back flush it. So you basically, um, they, they ship it with a little, I don't know, not, not a syringe, like a needle, but you know, like what are those little plunger looking things, plastic mm. things? I don't really know how to describe it, honestly, but, um, you just fill that up with clean water and like kind of force it through the, uh, uh, the, direction. the opposite. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that cleans it out. I didn't do that nearly as much as I should have on my through hike. So I just, and another thing I, I like about those filters is they're so cheap. They're like 20 bucks here for a yeah. new one. So half the time I was just lazy and I just buy a new one, but you can absolutely hundred percent. Most people do this, uh, go yeah. the entire trail, just one. So you're just going to be a little bit uh, more careful to back flush it. Like they recommend you to yeah. do. And I was just feeling lazy, I guess. <laughs> well, man, I know about drinking um, unclean water. Cause me and my, I have an ex, ex Italian girlfriend and we hiked across the, uh, a traverse here of the united kingdom called the um coast to coast and we went from west to east and anyway it was really nice to begin with because it was three days of what's called the lake district and they're kind of mountains over here in england mm -hmm. and um then when we, and we were drinking water from waterfalls and and just streams and stuff but it was moving and and we weren't filtering anyway when we got out of the mountains i remember our first day we got to kind of some flat level ground and i found a stream which was barely moving next to a cow field Ooh. and we, we both cooked and ate and drank that stuff and then the next day first my girlfriend she was so <laughs> she was so sick and then it became my turn so and and that lasted a couple of months where we were just you Ooh. know really kind of there was some that virus stayed in in our guts for a while but then i spoke to um a doctor and they said it will go eventually but yeah, man, there's no messing around, you know, you got to take this shit seriously. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. I've never had anything like that happen, but I've always been pretty religious about treating my water. I, I know plenty of people that that's not, that's not an uncommon story, I yeah, guess. At no. all. I don't know about it lasting a while. That's pretty uncommon because I feel like with 
what is it giardia whatever pronounce however you pronounce it um i feel like that usually like comes and goes pretty quick or it, yeah. it takes like a couple weeks or something i'm not a doctor clearly but um lasting a while like that that's pretty well what pretty it was it, it so the sickness wasn't there that was an initial kind of 24 hour thing but to pretty much be blunt when i farted there was this really <laughs> disgusting smell and that smell lasted a few months damn yeah oh, you gotta get a you gotta get a sore water filter man <laughs> <laughs> anyway that's that's uh yeah so that's uh sorry that all came from asking you about being sponsored and um <laughs> yeah congrats to to being sponsored so who is the other company you said reached the other company is just uh they make instant coffee they're called cs instant coffee um i had never heard of them when they reached out to me but i love coffee me too and it's hard to get like a good cup of instant coffee you know when you're backpacking so yeah at first i was like yeah, like you can send me some coffee and like if I if I enjoy it, then I'd be happy to work with you guys. And I tried it. It was really good. It's mm. like tastes just like a normal cup of coffee, in my opinion, which sounds kind of underwhelming. But when you think about it again, instant coffee usually yeah. gets way worse than a normal cup of coffee. So the fact yeah. that it tastes like on par with a fresh brewed cup of coffee that I would make here at home is pretty damn good, in my opinion. So I've done a little bit with them as well. And uh, hopefully I'll be doing some more with them soon. Right now I'm, I'm on the in a, a deal with Sawyer for the next few episodes of trail tales, mm -hmm. but uh, hopefully we'll do some more soon. Cause they're a really cool company. They're also like really small. Like they're relatively new, I think. Yeah. And they donate a decent amount of their proceeds to the uh, Appalachian trail conservancy, which cool. is pretty cool too. Cause yeah. you know, they're giving back to the trail, even though they're a small company and I feel like they probably, I don't know this cause again, I don't work for them. I'm just, you know, plugging their yeah. stuff, but yeah. I feel like they probably aren't making that much money yet. So fact that they're willing to donate some some of their profits over to the organization that we all love over here on the east coast is uh, is pretty cool talking about the appalachian trail how do you want to talk about your experience so you prepared you failed a, a, a through hike on the long trail you you learned you went back you section hiked it then you did a full through hike of the long trail then you went back and you're like okay i'm 80 ready then so speak about what that whole experience was like. I, I know it's hard, you know, to talk about 140 days, but maybe concentrate on the start and how you felt psychologically and stuff. Yeah, I was, dude, I was freaking out at the start. And in hindsight, like I shouldn't have been, I'm definitely going to try to do some more long through hikes like this in the future. And so I'm, I'm going to try to not feel like this on my next one, but I was very nervous. And again, I shouldn't have been because most of the other people I was around were way, way less prepared than I was like way less experienced. Um, and now there's anything wrong with that. A lot of them still finish, but like, I, I was just like, I had been thinking about it for a long time. Cause like I said, I wanted to, I decided I wanted to do this when I was pretty young and I, you know, I finished high school with this goal in mind. I went all my way through college with this goal in mind. And then all of a sudden I graduated college and immediately I was like standing at the start of the AT and I was like, Oh shit. Like I'm actually doing, this has been like a, like a little pipe dream of mine and kind of like, yeah, I'll do the AT when I graduate or whatever. But then I was like, okay, I'm actually doing it now. So it was really intimidating. I'd say for probably the first maybe week, week and a half ish. Um, I was really intimidated and it, it wasn't like, I didn't like want to quit and like, I was still glad to be there, but walking 2000 miles like that's that's a lot you know and i never i had the most i had done was 270 up to that point so um 
it was intimidating, but after, yeah, like I said, after a week, week and a half, I definitely settled in a little bit and I was feeling better. And then, um, just kind of sent it from there. And I was, yeah, I was lucky enough to finish without any injuries. When you said you were well prepared, probably more than some of the others, how did you prepare in terms of gear, fitness and logistics? Yeah. So, um, gear wise, I was probably the most prepared out of all those categories compared to other people because I had been doing a lot of backpacking, you know, in the years leading up to that, obviously the long trail, like we talked about, but I've been doing even more stuff than just that. Um, plenty of short backpacking trips, plenty of day hikes, like all this stuff. So I knew exactly the gear that I needed. One thing you'll find on the AT is especially for the um, beginner hikers, um, people will start with the gear they think they need. And then by the time they finish, they'll have a com- almost completely different gear setup. And there's nothing wrong with that. Again, that's not to say like I'm better or anything like that, but you do have to kind of work these kinks out. And I had already had the opportunity to do that over years. So I pretty much finished with the exact same gear that I started with. So I didn't have to worry about any sort of gear trouble. I already knew that everything worked for me, which was yeah. good and definitely gave me a nice advantage. And then physically I didn't train. I didn't like train that hard. And to be honest with you, most people don't train at all. Like most people, and you can get away with this. I don't know if it's the best idea, but a lot of people will literally just basically treat the first couple weeks, even the first month as they're training. So they'll just start really slow and just work their way up. And um, I, I didn't really want to do that. I didn't quite have time to do that because I started pretty late too compared to most people. Um, but I also didn't like go super hard. I was probably just running 10 miles a week and doing some, doing some squats and various leg exercises a few times a week as well. Um, and that was enough. I felt like I was definitely a little bit sore when I started, but it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. Um, I felt like I was in, I was in, I was in pretty decent shape for the mileage that I was doing and stuff. And then the other, the other big one, um, would be mental preparation. Yeah. This is something I've talked about a lot on trail tales. Yeah. And I noticed a early... lot, lot of your guests on the podcast, you we like have these kind of episodes where it's about the mental aspect. I love yeah, it. man. I love yeah. that shit. I mean, that's yeah. what, cause when I first, like when I was leading up to it, um, I, I anticipated it being like even harder than it actually was to be honest with you. I was like, I was really, really worried that I was going to like just quit and like be a baby. I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't, it's, it's kind of ridiculous, honestly, but I was like, I took the mental preparation really, really seriously, definitely more serious than um, most people take it. And so at the end of the day, like once I got at the, once I got past that first week, but like I said, um, I feel like I, if anything, I was like a little bit over-prepared. Um, not that, not to say it was easy. It definitely was not easy, but, um, it was, a. Uh, I, I never thought about quitting. I'll say that. Um, I had hard yeah. times. There's definitely times where I didn't want to be doing it. Um, a lot of times like that, but I never, I never thought about quitting, which, um, again, I'm not trying to toot my own horn too much here, but I feel like that's not the experience of most people. I feel like most through hikers at some point do think about quitting, even if they don't. Um, well, and what, so, well, what are the stats? There are statistics for people who attempt to through hike the AT compared yeah. to people who complete it. Yeah, it's it varies a little bit. And it's also hard to know for sure because a lot of people don't register or like log their hike. But roughly I've heard anywhere from twenty to twenty-five percent complete it compared to everybody who who uh, starts it. Yeah. I've heard the same figures that seventy-five to eighty percent of the people who start do not cross the finish line. I mean yep. finish line, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As if well, there's a finish line. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, get to the other end of the the trail. Exactly. 
exactly. And I feel like that's probably pretty, pretty accurate. I also feel like I don't know this, so this is just me speculating, but, um, I feel like as hiking as through hiking, especially the AT in particular is getting more popular each year, partially due to douchebags like me that make YouTube videos about it. Um, I feel like that completion rate is going to go down even more <laughs> just because more people are doing it that might not be prepared. And also actually maybe flip side, more people are watching people's videos and hopefully they're doing a good job of giving advice and maybe they're going to complete it more because of that. So I don't know, it'll be kind of interesting to see how those numbers change or don't change in the coming years for sure. Talking about preparation, I think I'll mention who I've met in person a number of times, Warren Doyle. Have you heard of Warren? I've heard of him. People have brought him up on Trail Tales before. I, I haven't met him though, no. Yeah. So Warren Doyle has a, an, I think it's called the Appalachian Trail Folk School. And he actually physically and mentally and logistically prepares people to go and prepare, you know, for the Appalachian Trail, a, a through hike. And I think the numbers that he's throwing out there, he has a 75% or is it actually, it may be more, uh, uh, you know what? I'm not going to say the number <laughs> because I've probably got it wrong, but he has a really high rate of finishes of people oh, who nice. do his school. Um, currently, uh, yeah, I, I may as well just shout out and who anyone wants to watch the last few days. There's a, um, a female uh, runner called Liz Anjos, who's currently going she was going for the fastest known time on the Appalachian Trail heading northbound and Warren is supporting her. She's oh, going nice. by the trail name like Mercury and Warren's going by the trail name Jupiter. And I, I, I think I saw yesterday they updated day 47 and she's trying to get in under 52 days, which will put her in second fastest female and kind of like top 10 of the fastest known people to ever do it. So she's up near you currently, actually. Oh, nice. Are you still in Vermont? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So she, she'll be, uh, she's, she just crossed over the 2000 mile mark. So anyway, I don't know if, um, she's yeah, probably, gonna... she's probably up in over in Maine now. Yeah. She's probably pretty damn close. Damn. That's, dude, that's crazy. You yeah. guys in your FKTs, especially like the long ones like that, that's, that's still, I was talking about this with someone the other day, like running multiple marathons a day over mountains for that many days in a row dude that's so, just so that's she's a whole nother level man that's a whole nother level she did <laughs> she did 79 miles on day one and yeah and, and, and i think what happened was i don't know i'm not exactly sure what happened but her mileage went down and down and down and down and then eventually she wasn't able to run but just hiked but she's speed hiking she's like yesterday the day before yesterday i think she had three and a half hours sleep she is a kind of a, a beast, you know, I like, couldn't do it, man. I couldn't yeah, do it. <laughs> pretty insane. Well, anyway, I kind of went off on a tangent there, but I was talking about really Warren preparing people mentally. So once you'd prepared, you know, and you'd got on the trail and you said you did a week and then it was like, send it. So you guys are, you, you were ready to do this. So how long was it before you got your, um, trail legs? Would you say it was seven days or, uh, somewhere yeah a week or two um because i you know i i did the first couple days a little bit slower than i probably could have um i was just being extra cautious but after that i was pretty much like trying to ramp up because like i said i started late so right from the right from the beginning i kind of knew i had i didn't have that much time to play around um so yeah a couple couple weeks i got my trail legs and uh, i think the only reason i remember this is because I think I did my first 20 mile day on day 20 and then everything else was kind of, you know, yeah. 
just below there kind of leading up to to 20 so that was usually what I would shoot for on like my full days is anywhere yeah around 18 to 24 miles something like that and I knew if I maintained that and then also you know threw in some shorter days obviously to rest um, especially the days where I was going into town and stuff then I would be on pace to finish before before winter got there and I beat it by about like I don't remember like five or six I feel like it was within a week after I finished they got their first snowfall up on Katahdin so you know I could have still it wasn't that much snow. I, I still could have finished them but I didn't want to <laughs> I yeah. got it I got done right at the perfect time you know but uh, it just intrigues me the way you started this uh podcast by saying oh I'm not really you know like an ultra run I'm not doing you know big mileage and but man you were you're a beast you and you went out there you know you went onto the Appalachian Trail and you were hitting 20 plus mile days you know carrying a backpack and being in wilderness I think it takes a special individual to get outside and pretty much be in the wilderness and do that so yeah I don't want to kind of jump to the end of how it kind of changed you but what kind of trials and tribulations did you encounter during your through hike on the eighteen? Um, a lot of them. Let's see. I think, I think one of the big ones is just, uh, not getting bored <laughs> sometimes. Um, so that's where the podcast came in kind of. And, um, I'm trying to think like, it was really hard. So I feel like I should have a better answer for this, but I think the biggest like, uh, difficulty for the first half of the trail, I'll say, especially was the time thing. So I've kind of alluded to that a few times. Most people start at the AT and, you know, you know, people start outside this range too, but I'd say that the common time to start is March through April, um, same mid March through mid April. And I started in mid May, I, I started May 14th. So I was about a month behind, you know, your typical uh, start date. And so for the first half of the trail, I was very much worried about not making it in time. And that, because I also knew that if I got injured and I had to take a week or two off to rest or something like happens to a lot of people, that's very common. Um, I might not be able to make it. So I think the hardest part about the first half was just uh, making sure I was on pace, being worried that I was going to get hurt, something like that, which in hindsight, I wasn't pushing myself beyond my ability. So I probably shouldn't have been worried about that, but I was, it was my first, my first big through hike. And I think, um, after the after I hit the halfway point, say Harper's Ferry, up until like Maine, honestly, like it was good. Like I was the heat was tough. Like there's some bad days for sure, but for the most part, like I really can't complain. I, I felt like I, I was doing pretty well. But then when I got to the very end of the trail, um, Maine in particular, I started to get it's hard to describe. I feel I've described this on some other podcasts and I feel like I never exactly express what I'm trying to say right but um, I started to think about the end a lot and I feel like I just couldn't really enjoy that last you know two weeks say because I just let myself be like okay you're almost done and then started to think about other shit that I was going to do afterwards and I don't know so honestly the last two weeks was like the hardest part of the entire trail mentally for me by far that's so funny because pretty much what you're saying is that you kind of almost lost your mindfulness in the last two weeks. You were, you yeah. were, you were like ahead of yourself. And instead of being in the moment, appreciating the beauty and the privilege of being where you were, you were kind of, okay, when I finish, I'm going to do this. When I finish, I'm going to do that. And yeah, you kind exactly. of lost that 
Yeah, that's interesting. How would you um, learn from it, the experience? And let's say, because I know you're interested in doing the PCT, I've heard you say it publicly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, how would you learn from that experience and try to, I don't know, um, not make that mistake if you could call a mistake again? Or... Yeah, um, dude, I wish I had a good answer for that question, honestly, because I think just being aware of what happened on the AT at the end will is a we'll try to make me be yeah more mindful of it yeah but i don't know like i yeah i don't have an answer because it's like it's just a long time to be hiking man and at the end of any hike like that i feel like i i I don't know i don't know honestly um yeah i'm I'm definitely gonna try to just be and not that not that it's a bad question it's a super good question i'm just frustrated because i wish i had an answer to it so that it doesn't happen again i I, I think um, I, i think yeah I think just being aware of it might be enough to hopefully keep it away a little bit. But to be honest with you, I feel like it's inevitable that towards the end of whatever my next long one is, you know, assuming I am able to make it to the end, that's a whole nother, whole nother question. Um, I think some of those feelings are probably going to creep in again and hopefully I'll be able to just, you know, keep my, keep my eyes on the prize and finish out strong. But honestly, I, like I just said there, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just making it to the end is way harder than putting up with those last couple yeah, weeks or days yeah. or whatever it is. So yeah. hopefully I'll be lucky enough to even do that. We'll see. So, so when you did, Oh, and just for everybody's um, knowledge here, um, you did go northbound. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what was your decision behind uh, heading north instead of south or doing a flip flop? Why did you go north? Um, I didn't really think about it too much to be honest with you. And now that I'm like trying to plan a, you know, my next one, whatever trail it ends up being, PCT or CDT or something, uh, I'm thinking about that a lot more. But with the AT, most people go northbound. Um, and I think that's just kind of how I always envisioned myself doing it. But there really wasn't much of a logistic or any reason beyond just, oh, most people do it northbound. And I want to do it northbound like most people, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um yeah, I, I, I'm actually, you know, still going to go for my attempt next year on the um, Appalachian Trail for the fastest known time. And I'm, I mean, people have asked me, oh, why don't you go south? And some of the reasons have been quite valid. But my this isn't about breaking a record for me next year. This is about getting to Katahdin. <laughs> it's a pilgrimage, you know, and it's nice. a northbound pilgrimage. So it's 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 got a lot more of a deeper meaning. And the start is Georgia and the finish is Maine. So that's kind of how I'm gonna go about that's it. That's just how it is for a lot of people, honestly. And yeah, I was kind of the same way too. Um I'm also glad to hear you're gonna go for it again next year. I'm assuming the virus kind of messed up your plans for this year, yeah. Oh, I'm not gonna blame the virus. I think I just was underprepared. Last year I spent a lot of money um, on my attempt, uh, cause I wasn't kind of fully supported or sponsored. I was partially sponsored and, uh, it's a lot of money and I didn't have the money this year. Whereas if I had the money, had I'd been allowed to go, I would have probably gone. So it's just getting my kind of finances together and stuff. But, uh, that's a whole nother story, I guess, but yeah, I'm going to be out there next year and it's going to be, Hell a yeah, man, fun. when you make it up here, I'll definitely try to swing down. I'm sure you won't yeah. have that much time to chill, but <laughs> at least say hi or whatever. <laughs> get a get a fist bump in so what's going on are you still working have you got like a job that you're still doing yep. and how how do you see um your direction with um uh all the 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 social media outlets and also hiking in itself 
Um, in That's relation- quite a vague question. What I mean is really, do you think you could potentially head this way almost as a career move? Like, um, I mean, it'd be cool, but probably not anytime soon. Yeah. Um, no, pro- probably not. And there's only like, not that there's only a few like YouTubers on in the hiking world or whatever that have been able to do that. And, uh, even if I could get to the point where I was making enough to support myself, um, which I think would be possible if I continued doing this and grinding for a couple more years, even then I feel like it wouldn't be, it still wouldn't be a career. Like I wouldn't be able to do it long-term. I I might be able to do it short-term, but, but not long-term. I'll tell you right now, I'm not making anywhere close to enough to be able to do that. You know what though? Maybe that's not a bad thing because when um, you rely on your passion for your income, maybe you lose a bit of your passion. So, and I've thought about that. I've thought about that. It's like hiking is like fun. It's like my hobby, you know? And I don't know, maybe, maybe honestly it does sound kind of sick too. Let's be honest. But yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't like, I'm not really like working really hard and like aspiring to do that. Um, I guess theoretically it could be possible, but I also like, I'm a software developer. I really like the company I work for. And so I, I like that line of work too. And just honestly, I make a lot more money than I probably ever would from YouTube doing software development. So I, I, I certainly see myself doing more long hikes. Um, and I think the channel and the podcast and that stuff would be, a uh, good way to kind of just um I don't know subsidize the hobby a little bit yeah. uh but I don't think at least anytime soon I don't think it's going to be a, a full-time gig <laughs> who, who do you think some of those uh, YouTubers are would you say that um Darwin on the trail would, would be one of them I think so yeah, yeah and again I don't know like the the intricate details of other YouTubers finances but I'm pretty sure he pretty sure he said that he does it full-time yeah. um I, I think I think a homemade wanderlust might as well. I've never, I've actually never talked to her before. So I, I'm pretty sure I've read that in like a couple articles or something. Yeah. Um, but those are the only ones that I can think of, honestly. Um, I, I was, maybe what, there's more out there, but I don't my, know. I've got a 17 year old niece and she said, Oh, have you watched Mr. Beast? And I was like, who oh, is that? Making, and I was like, who's like, like. like Mr. Beast? So I started watching a couple of Mr. Beasts and he has his friends all put their hand on a Lamborghini and then the last person to leave the Lamborghini gets the Lamborghini. I mean, that guy. So funny, dude. I've he, seen he, a couple he opened up too. this like fake bank and just gave money away and stuff, you know? I That's mean, his shtick. Yeah, yeah. He, he just like, I, I haven't seen a ton, a ton of his videos, but um. Yeah. Yeah, he just like does stuff with money. Like yeah, it's it's pretty yeah. funny, honestly. I can't imagine what his freaking uh, taxes are like. Oh, <laughs> uh, I I don't know, man. I, I don't want to imagine. Um, hey, I got to ask you as a as you're a resident of Vermont, have you um been to the Ben and Jerry's factory? Yes, I have. When I was a kid, but here's the here's the thing. You're gonna feel a little bit foolish for asking that question because that is like I don't know I don't know what like the the touristy things around you are, but. That's like the tourist thing, right? Okay. Like that's what the people that visit Vermont do. I mean, like I said, I have I have been to it, and Ben and Jerry's is like a cultural symbol of here in a way, um, because that's Burlington is where Ben and Jerry's started. Um, but maybe I should go. Honestly, maybe Hold I should on, go you, back. You sometime. said, oh, you did go, but when you were a kid, I was pre- I was pretty young. Yeah, oh, I yeah. was probably yeah. in like middle school or something like that. Yeah. Um, it's not very far for me. It's like forty five minutes, if that, from my house. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
No, I can recommend it. I went twice as an adult um, and uh, both times were not disappointing, you know, so <laughs> like uh, that. Yeah, I don't know not... if it's open right now. I don't know what they're doing with all the virus nonsense. So, oh, yeah. We'll OK, that'd be um, a good place to go on a date, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, hey, uh, I'm gonna take you to Ben and Jerry's and uh, Ben and Jerry's and chill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, I need to. I haven't been on a date in ages. I think my last girlfriend was about four years ago. I just run too much, you know. I just <laughs> can't <laughs> remember what dude. it's like to go on a date, man. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Hey, just um, hiking and filming. What's um? So you said about like um, more long trails. So so what is your mode of thought there which kind of trails are you thinking about yeah so um Flossie, so for those who don't know which is probably pretty much everybody listening um my roommate Flossie, he's also in a lot of videos and stuff kind of like my hiking partner roommate friend he moved up here a few months ago um we're kind of debating on which long one we want to do next um we're not sure when we're not sure which one we know. We, we just know that we want to do it. And What's on the list you know, though? What's on it? Um, well, the CDT or the PCT of the two long ones, but there's also one thing that I really like to do with trail tales. You've probably heard this on various episodes is um, I like to highlight a lot of the shorter long distance trails, right? So, um, you know, the 18, the PCT are really famous, but there's so many, you know, hundred mile or even 50 mile trails uh, just scattered all throughout the States. Um, even Ohio has like a long distance trail. Um, and so we are planning to do one of those shorter long distance trails, um, just in a couple weeks here, honestly, um, over in the Adirondacks, there's a trail called the Northville Placid trail. It's 140 miles long and pretty much all of our hikes this summer, we've been kind of like leading up to that. So we're going to go give that a shot. Oh yeah. Just a couple weeks here. I attempted it when I was uh 19 it was 2015 i attempted it and i quit so yeah i need to get some redemption Un- on that trip. unfinished I'm business really excited. <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. dude when you go out and you um so that's how far 100 and what 140 miles so would you create yourselves a schedule or do you just hike until it's finished oh that's a good question um kind yet yeah, you that wow uh, such a good question you stunned me no um yes you create a schedule but it's not every single day so i do have like a a rough itinerary but basically instead of planning and this is a little bit personal preference too you know everybody probably does this a little bit differently but um basically you'll plan resupply to resupply and so you'll know how many days you need to do in order to you know make it on those stretches but you won't plan out exactly where you're going to stay each day um, because honestly, I've done that before on other trips and half the time you just end up changing your plan while you're out there. So really, as long as say you have a three day food carry and you know, you're three days away from the next town, you just need to get there in three days. Maybe you do two long days and the third shorter day. Maybe you it's raining on the second day and you want to take a short day then and then do two long days in between. Um, the actual day to day mileage between the towns is, uh, is kind of up to interpretation when you actually get out there, but you do have to plan obviously if you only have three days worth of food, you have to make it there in three days. So that's kind of the way the, uh, the scheduling works for, for, you know, a hike where you're doing multiple resupplies and multiple food carries and stuff. Yeah. So have you got actually some mail drops to do for that? What's the name of that trail again? Uh, the Northville Placid trail. 
Okay. Um, and yeah, how many uh, drops are there for you to post out? So there's definitely going to be one. So there's going to be two resupplies. One of them, 100% going to have to do a mail drop, which for those of you who don't know, it's basically where you send a box of food to a post office near the trail. And then when you get there, you that's, that's where you get your food. Um, we're definitely going to have to do one. And then the second resupply, I'm not sure yet. We might have to do another one, but there's also a little grocery store there. I need to do a little bit more research, but we might be able to just go to the grocery store and buy food at the grocery store, which is always preferred because they have way better hours than the post office. Mm. And that way, you know exactly like what you need, because maybe I have more, yeah. maybe I'll have a little bit of food left over from the last one. And if I have a resupply box, I just have to take all of the food there and I yeah. might just have way extra food, be way, way too heavy and stuff. Um, or maybe I'll get sick of some of the food. So um, two resupplies, one mail drop, possibly two, but hopefully not two. Maybe be able to make do with the grocery store. That's kind of the plan there. Yeah, you got to do your research on that grocery store. I guess when you turn up and you're able to just buy um, and see what you need right there and then, yeah, it does make it probably a bit easier because you may still have food left. Um, exactly. How many resupplies or mail drops did you do on the Appalachian Trail? Oh, man, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I, I don't know, to be honest with you. But I mean, um, but... a rough idea, more yeah, than yeah, three. Yeah, I'll say this. I think um, the best way to do it would be every three to four days mm. so i don't know you can do the math there <laughs> i'm yeah. not smart enough to do that in my head real quick but um a lot a lot and as far as mail drops go for the at um the at one of the advantages to hiking that trail is towns are very accessible along nearly the entire trail so as far as like food mail drops i didn't do a single one and in my opinion there's no reason to do that at all um you're way better off going to grocery stores on other long distance trails, obviously, as we just talked about, that's not always the case. So you kind of have to sometimes. But um, the only things I really did mail drops for on the AT were when my parents uh, sent me gear, basically. So before I left, I just gave them some things like, oh, here's an extra pair of pants. Here's a, an extra you know, water bag or just random little things. And I was like, you know, I might need you to, I might need you to mail this to me. Yeah. at some point or shoes uh had a couple extra pair of uh shoes and so they would mail me those things sometimes but yeah. um that probably only happened like four or five times along the whole trail yeah which is good because it's it can be tricky to plan those things out and i've seen on multiple occasions didn't happen to me because i was lucky but it's yeah it's, it's super common for somebody to have to basically wait a day out because their package didn't come yet yeah. or, or or something like that and that's always frustrating um, have you heard of String Bean, uh, Joe McConaughey? Um, is he the guy that just did the Long Trail FKT? Yeah. Yeah, vaguely heard of him, but I, I didn't look into I've had a couple of people tell me I should get him on Trail yeah. Tales, but I haven't done that yet. I think so. <laughs> he, still, he still holds the – he's been on this podcast. Oh, he's nice. Done, he still holds the uh, unsupported record for the Northbound Appalachian Trail FKT. Um. And that's pretty uh, stout record. At, I think about forty-four days or something. So that's that's crazy, dude. Yeah, that's when crazy. he did it, he beat all of the um, supported ultra runners, and he just did it self-supported <laughs> by himself. That's nuts, so, dude. That's nuts. Damn, I gotta talk to him. Yeah, he's him a good on, guy. On well. Instagram. Yeah. yeah, I'll have to reach out. He'd be a great 
See, I always feel like when I do the uh, Ultra Runner episodes, I'm a little bit in over my head. I, I think I, I said yeah, that a lot it, during our episode. but <laughs> it, it was really funny when we were chatting because I kind of see it as almost the same thing. We're just outside on a trail where the one's hiking and carrying a pack, which is tough, compared to someone who's running without a pack, which is also tough. It's kind of the same thing, you know? I don't no, know. No, dude. No, no, it's not. Running like that is way freaking harder, dude. You're covering way more distance, like way faster. Yeah. I don't know. I get, I get like people are just accustomed to different things. And that's not to say that what I do is easy either, but I don't know, man. I don't, I don't think my joints are already like freaking hurting enough from just doing what I do. I can't imagine running like 20 plus miles over mountains like for days in a row. Like that's the slower pace of walking, I think definitely makes a difference, at least for me. Oh, I mean, there's no question that walking and running are two different, completely different yeah. ways to move your body. You know, um, I, I, actually, I wanted to ask you about your shoes on the Appalachian Trail. How many pairs did you go through? Did you stick to the same brand? And what was that? Yeah, so again, this kind of circles back to a little bit what we talked about earlier, just about my preparation. Um, shoes are like a huge uh, issue that people have to figure out when they start the AT if they're if they're not experienced because oftentimes they'll start in a pair of shoes that like kind of messes their feet up and they'll end up getting a different pair trying you know trying new shoes on midway through a through hike which is tough because obviously um, you know you got to have something that's good for your feet but I was lucky because I already knew which shoes I was going to use I had been hiking in them again for a couple years up to that point and uh, I still hike in them now I, I use a Lost Sportiva Wildcat trail running shoes and um i really like them like i said I, I like that they don't change them like i feel like most other uh trail running shoes they always come out with like a new version like the four or the five the six and yeah um i've heard people complain like oh the new version is not as good as the old version or whatever and with the wildcats they just don't they've had they've been the same for at least the past like five years or at least as long as i've been using them and i know that they work so i just use those i think i went through three full pairs and I got a fourth pair when I had like 150 miles left. Um, so say three and a half, yeah. three and a third pair, something like that. And to be honest with you, I probably should have, there was one, one time in particular where I probably should have gotten new shoes quicker than I did, but I was just being stubborn and my feet definitely paid the price for a couple of days there. Is, is, is that because the, um, the sole wears thin or there becomes holes or just um, what, what goes like wrong? Yeah, so the insoles definitely wear out, and then obviously it's just harder on your feet, more impact okay. on your feet. Yeah. Um, the tread wears out as well, so you're you're slipping a little okay. bit more. Yeah. And then holes as well, hole especially I don't know what it's like for other I don't know what it's like for other trail running shoes, but with the with the Wildcats, at least for my feet, they tend to start to rip on the side a little bit. I don't think I ever had a hole completely through but like the outer mesh started to rip and then once that happens you're like okay it's time for some yeah. new shoes yeah no but that's pretty good that you can cover like uh over 2000 or around 2200 miles in three and a half pairs of shoes or even three if you had 100 miles to go that's that's pretty good yeah like yeah. i said i probably should have done like four or four and a half but yeah i was stubborn i, I did like it also depends on what part of the trail you're on too because i think i did the first 800 miles in one pair or almost 800, maybe it was like 700, but a, a good chunk of the trail. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm only going to go through like a couple pairs. Like that's not too bad. But then by the time I got up into the Northeast and gets rockier and, and steeper and stuff, I started to go through shoes faster than I did when I was down South on the smooth trails. So 
kind of depends on that a little bit as well. Yeah. Were there any other pieces of kit that you took that you had to, you know, like shoes, you literally have to throw them in the bin or recycle them and buy a new pair. Was there any other pieces of kit that you had to do that with? Um, not really. No, no. I'm trying to th- socks, socks. Definitely. Oh yeah. Um, but I don't think so. I probably should have done that with my clothing, but I didn't actually, that's not true. I, I, I did end up throwing away my shorts at one point because uh, there was a giant rip right where there probably shouldn't have been a rip. And uh, I wasn't trying to get arrested and become a sex offender. So I did have to get rid of those at one point, but I did the entire thing with the same shirt and the same hat. And I don't think I got rid of any other pairs of gear to be honest. But like I said, that's not normally, I feel like most people switch out a lot of gear, but I just, I had it dialed in. I don't know. It worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think the fact that you actually got to wear your kit out before you got to the start of the Appalachian trail is the difference between finding out on the AT that it doesn't work or finding out many months and even years before. Actually, I just thought of one more thing. Um, trekking pole tips, like the the tiny little metal tip. I went through probably like three or four of those as well. Those were a pain to replace, but, um, I think that's it. I think that's it. Honestly, it was, uh, I was, I was lucky. I was lucky. Well, you finished, you're one of the, uh, you know, 20, 25% of finishers. So it's a, how did it, um, I I suppose we're going to wrap this up pretty soon here. Um, You're going to go hiking and stuff. Maybe uh, I got a couple of fun questions to finish with, but on more of a serious note, just how did accomplishing the Appalachian Trail kind of change you as a person? Um, I think the biggest thing that it did is it just, it, it took over my, personality and identity even more than it had before like (laughs) honestly because I spend like so much time doing trail tales and the videos and hiking almost every single or backpacking almost every single weekend hiking every single weekend for sure and sometimes I'll even go out for a couple miles during the week um it really just solidified that like this is like my passion and this sounds so cheesy like I'm usually not a serious person sounds weird to say but it's true like it is what I do. I'm a, I'm a hiking nerd. Like I freaking love this stuff. Like a lot of people, um, that aren't as into something like this, like don't really understand it like that you do. I'm sure a lot of people listening do. Um, but, um, I think the biggest thing is after I got back, I was like, okay, this is like, this is like my thing. And, uh, I'm hundred percent sure of that, uh, after the experience. And that's kind of what led me to, you know, I, I honestly, I don't think I would be doing trail tales or podcast or um, YouTube. I wouldn't be talking to you right now if it wasn't for yeah my experience on the AT. So um, yeah. it basically, yeah, just turned me into a huge hiking nerd, even more yeah. of a hiking nerd than I was before. <laughs> not a, not a bad thing. Um, all right. So Kyle, I'm going to finish up the podcast with asking you three questions. Sounds and I, I know that you're into the men when it comes down to things, you're into like the mental game and stuff. So I've decided to choose three kind of random psychological questions. <laughs> All right, let's do it. That sounds fun. <laughs> All right. Okay. So they're pretty um, crazy questions. Let's start with number one. So, okay. Right. Kyle, what is knowledge? What is knowledge? Dude, holy Sorry, shit. Sorry, man. Like psychological. <laughs> Are you talking like in terms of a hike or just in general? Answer it how you will. <laughs> I don't know. Experience? I feel like most of my opinions and 
the things that I believe in come from some sort of experience. So yep I, I like it man. abstract answer enough <laughs> no it's pretty good it seems quite logical i'd um agree with you there okay question number two they get worse <laughs> oh boy let's do it how should we conduct ourselves um oh i don't know um i think you should we should always keep in mind what other people's experiences have been um because especially with the internet, it's very easy to just make assumptions about people and their intentions without actually um, understanding, you know, what they were feeling when they made various choices. <laughs> okay, I got it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to translate that to be empathetic, empathetic about yeah. what other people try to be at least. Yeah. 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 No, that's good. Okay. And the last one, um, and it's kind of almost a little bit similar to question two, but it is different. How should we govern ourselves? Um, oh man. Um, we should in a manner that doesn't infringe upon others. Wow. You're really thoughtful about other people, man. Cause it was similar to the answer to question two, even though question two is a similar question to question three. So you're a pretty considerate person then for other people. I try to be, I mean, I, I think honestly, the one thing that comes to mind here, Ooh, getting a little bit, a little bit too, not political, but controversial. Um, I see a lot on social media these days, people just like dunking on each other, even in the hike, it's especially in the hiking community about yeah. various things. You know, someone will go on a hike, they'll see somebody set up their tent in an area they're not supposed to set up their tent in. And instead of going over and you know, being nice and educating the person about why they shouldn't do that. They take a picture, they don't say anything and they go home and post it on Facebook and complain about it. Yeah. I think that's nonsense. So I think we need to be a little bit more understanding, but I also don't know anything about any of that stuff. So <laughs> don't, no, I, don't take it too seriously. No, I think it's pretty cool. Anyone listening out there, um, take these words of experience and wisdom from Kyle, because I definitely, um, enjoy podcasts cause I learn from other people. So yeah, but I don't want to get all serious. It's the end of the show, guys. <laughs> Thanks for listening um, to the Christian Ultra Podcast with um, Kyle O'Grady from Trail Tales. Go and listen to his uh, podcast. And um, hey, Kyle, can you point anyone in the direction of your social media and things you want to highlight? Yeah, man. Sure. So um, Instagram, you can follow me at Kyle Hates Hiking. Uh, that's also the name of my YouTube channel. So if you just go on YouTube and type in Kyle Hates Hiking, all of my very cringy thumbnails will pop up into your feed and you'll see that. Um, and then, yeah, trailtalespod.com is where you can go listen to the podcast or you can just listen to it on the same app that you're listening to this, I'm sure, if I've done my job correctly, that is. Um, so I think that's pretty much it. Dude, thank you so much for for having me on here. And we should definitely do another Trail Tales episode like sooner rather than later because uh, I think it'd be cool to push my um, – push my boundaries with the uh, ultra running talk a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. I get yeah. some, some more experience there. I think people would really enjoy it. Hey, uh, I, yeah, before you go, I'll just tell you how, um, I actually had someone reach out to me after your podcast called Justin Weber, who was the producer for the film made to be broken, um, by Red Bull with Carl Meltzer and, uh, Justin, um, just started talking to me and we made great friends because he's interested in the Appalachian trail. And yeah, so because of your show, I made a good friend. Um, oh, that's awesome, dude. That's <laughs> so sick. You, you helped two people become friends. So yeah. Hey, thanks. That's awesome, for, man. 
thanks for coming on and uh yeah people listening can hopefully find me on your podcast in the not too far distant future so there you go there it is my interview with kyle o'grady also um can be found um and known as kyle hates hiking but he really does love hiking so i really hope you guys enjoyed that conversation that i just had as much as i did it was really insightful and for anybody thinking about getting out there and um hiking the appalachian trail well this is a great source of information and also go and visit um kyle's channel he's got that youtube channel he spoke about which is uh kyle hates hiking and also his podcast which is trail tales and then uh go and follow him along on uh, his instagram which is kyle hates hiking also so I also like to mention at the end of my shows, if anyone um, uh, is enjoying this podcast and I'm a couple of months into it now, would like to just reach out and send me a message and um, tell me what they think, go ahead and send me an email at christianultra at gmail.com christian spell k-r-i-s-t-i-a-n i'll put my email in the show notes and um yeah go ahead and give me a, a review on apple i'd love to hear people's feedback also go ahead and subscribe to the show and share it with your friends um, i also like to mention my online run coaching that i offer this service is by myself personally and it's catered for individual um it's like an individual program for someone who's interested in attempting to do an fkt an ultra marathon or a marathon or who just wants to start trail running and it's kind of a um a program which i set up and we catch up on a weekly basis uh, with each other to talk about your progress and you know i try to include so many different aspects into my coaching not just uh, numbers on a spreadsheet but also the the personal relationship and how you're coping psychologically with the training and so on so uh, go ahead and check out my website christianultra.com and that's it that's the end of the show so please guys join in next week um, where there'll be another awesome guest on the christian ultra podcast and until then enjoy your day enjoy your week and most of all um enjoy the trails all right thanks guys bye